First, the bad news. SAP Business AI won't help you generate cubist versions of your family's holiday photos. But it will help you understand which supplier is best to help you roll out your plant-based packaging in Southeast Asia. Or identify the training your junior project manager needs to rise up the ranks. And automate repetitive tasks while you focus on big innovations. So you can be ready for the next opportunity. Revolutionary technology. Real-world results. That's SAP Business AI. Stop punishing yourself with bland, chalky protein shakes and fuel your fitness with the best protein in the game at GNC. We've got the hottest brands and flavors that legit taste like cookies, your favorite cereal, indulgent desserts, and more. It's on at GNC. I'm Barbara Berry, and you're listening to Gilbert Gottfried's amazing, colossal podcast. Excellent. Too Love much it. acting? Love it. Want no, I like This is Gilbert Gottfried, and this is Gilbert Gottfried's amazing colossal podcast with my co-host Frank Santo Padre, and we're once again recording at Nutmeg with our engineer Frank Verderosa. We're especially excited to be joined by our guest this week. He's a singer, songwriter, record producer, and one of the most inventive and influential keyboard players in the history of pop music. He's also a member of the Songwriters Hall of Fame, the Rock and Roll Hall of Fame, and one of the leading voices of the rock generation. As one of the founders and the lead singer of the wildly popular rock quartet, The Rascals, he sold millions of records and recorded the hit songs, A Girl Like You, It's a Beautiful Morning, How Can I Be Sure, and number one singles like People Got to Be Free, Groovin', and of course, Good Lovin', voted one of Rolling Stone Magazine's greatest songs of all time. In a career spanning seven decades, he's worked and performed with celebrated musicians such as Billy Joel, Tom Jones, Todd Rundgren, Jimi Hendrix, Bean Crosby, Billy Preston, Laura Nero, former podcast guest Tommy James, Paul Schaefer, Jimmy Webb, and Howard Kalen, and four guys from Liverpool who I think uh, their name is The Beatles. After 50-plus years in the music business, he's still entertaining audiences with his band Felix Cavallari's Rascals, with upcoming dates in Massachusetts, Connecticut, and New York. Welcome to the show, a genuine rock and roll legend, and perhaps most importantly, a man who shares our love of soupy sales. Felix. How true. 
<laughs> bravo, bravo, bravo. Felix Thank you, thank you. Felix. Thanks. Felix. Stop yeah, leaving try. little notes on my pillow. <laughs> I told you a million times, I don't want little notes on my pillow. <laughs> Sorry about that. Yes. Oh. <laughs> Felix, welcome. Thank you. Thank you. Nah. So I, 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 I guess you all know Soupy, huh? Oh, yeah. Gilbert knew him. I didn't have the pleasure. Oh, man. What a great guy. Yeah, he was a nut, Soupy. Yeah, I, great guy. He was great. great. Guy. And now I, I have to ask you, but I remember uh, the, the rumor used to be that the reason the band was called the Rascals is because you're one of the little rascals grown up. So were you alfalfa <laughs> or something? <laughs> yeah. Well, the reason the band was called the Rascals was because of Soupy. I don't know if you know that story. Oh, tell us. I will certainly tell you. You know, yeah. we we were trying to be discovered, and Soupy, of course, had it was a WNEW TV, and. You know, he, he happened to have a couple of hit records. He had this thing called The Mouse. Of course. Yes. So we, we got this great idea. We said, Let, let's go down there and see if he'll accept us as a backup band. We can go out on the road with him. So we go into the station, you know, and uh, uh, immediately, you know, he started, you know, telling jokes. You know, he said, like, okay, everybody hold your wallets. You know what I mean? These guys don't look too good, <laughs> you know? And uh, we started laughing. And so... So we told him, we said, well, Supi, you know, um, you know, we, 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 we know you have some hit records now, Bahalafika, and uh, uh, the, you need a band. And he says, you mean all these years I've been without a band? I didn't realize that I needed a band. And he's, we started laughing again. He says, you know, this could work because sometimes I work, nobody laughs. At least I know you guys are going to laugh, right? <laughs> so, so, so we said, what do you call yourselves? And we really didn't have a name. We kept looking for names, you know. We kept looking around for, you know, we had some ideas. So he said, what I'd like to call you, we can't print. <laughs> <laughs> I wonder what that was. And I swear, I think I th he came up with this, this name, The Rascals, you know. And uh, later years, of course, you know, uh, uh, our manager surprised us with a, uh, a an adjective, you know. He said, we got to put the young in there, you know. And uh, why? Because somebody, I don't know if you guys remember the Milton Berle show, the Harmonica Rascals. The Harmonica Rascals, Rascals yeah. Oh, oh that's, yes. that's way back. Yeah, sure. He said, we're going to get sued. I said, but young? Couldn't you put like yellow or anything? <laughs> you know, that's young. <laughs> yellow <young>. Rascals. <laughs> and, you know, that, that's, that was a really interesting thing for us because for years, people would come up to me and say, did that dog really have a circle around his eye or did they paint that? <laughs> <laughs> They thought you were one of the rascals. You remember that, though, I see. Oh, absolutely. You guys know. Yeah, Petey. You guys know, see? Yeah. And the real alfalfa was, I think, shot. I think he was stabbed. stabbed. I think he, yeah, was, he stabbed was stabbed in a bar. Someone and owed him money. It. Yeah, it was and, a dispute over a dog, I think. Yeah, and, and yeah, he was stabbed to death in a bar. Yeah. Yeah, weird. Yeah. Weird. Where did the costumes come from, Felix? The whole little Lord Fauntleroy stuff. <laughs> Well, see, I blame Dino, the drummer, for Dino that. Dino he won't, he won't take the credit for that. But, yeah, I mean, well, basically, you know, we had to wear a suit and tie in those days to work in clubs because it was 21 and over. So we tried to find an excuse, you know, uh, a way around that. And uh, 
Unfortunately, they said, well, that's okay, but you still have to wear a tie. So we abandoned that idea as soon as we could. <laughs> so, Believe me. So, because I always, a lot of people thought, well, like, those Snickers must have been like a record label's idea. No, we didn't have a record label no. yet. We just, you know, had some bad ideas. <laughs> You know, ACDC did the schoolboy outfit thing years later. You guys were ahead of that. I know. You're ahead of I that know. curve. Now Yeah, we just we just wanted to get out of the suits, you know. Now, I I remember my when I was a kid, my mother bought me a forty five and on one side the A side was the mouse, the B side was Pafalafica. That's right. Now that's it. Now on Skype it's almost impossible to do, but can can me and Felix Cavallari sing a duet of the mouse? Well, you'd have to sing different sections yes. of it. I don't remember the mouse. I'm sorry to say, but uh, I, I I I I I don't remember it. I, I just I know it was do the mouse. That's all yeah. I remember. <laughs> well, give him a little hey, bit. Hey, do the mouse, yeah. Hey. Do it all around your house, yeah. Oh my in God, the yes. rug or on the wall. If your folks get bugged, do it in the hall. Do the mouse, yeah. Let's do the mouse. Come on, let's do the mouse with me. <laughs> See, I'm glad I forgot that one. Uh, yeah. <laughs> and and Pafalafaka was Pafalafaka. Pafalafaka, it sounds so romantic and perky. Pafalafaka, Pafalafaka, it sounds so romantic and turkey. (laughs) Yep, yep. And you know, he was right because many times we worked worked with him and we were the only ones laughing. You know, I got to tell you, Felix, Howard Kalen uh, loved Soupy, too, when we talked oh, to him. But he yeah. said Soupy had incredible pot. Does that... Uh... Uh, he was just... He, I mean, like, he was a doll. Really? Uh, no, he was just such a sweet man, you know. God bless him, man. I miss him. You know, he was a, a really great guy, you know. We miss him. Soupy was one of those guys, when I'd run into him, he, he would always have, like, a bunch of the stupidest jokes you've ever heard. <laughs> it, would, it would always crack you up. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yep. Good man, good people. Now he never hit you with a pie, though, did he? No, no. Oh, no, absolutely. That no, would be too short. He couldn't hit. He couldn't <laughs> find us. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Felix, we got a kick out of finding out, and we do deep research for this show, and we get a. I, I thought I knew uh, all there was to know about you. I didn't know you were pre-med. Oh yeah, which is fascinating. Absolutely. You're a you local. You're a local boy here from Pel- from Pelham. Yeah. 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 My whole family was in medicine, you know, and then I shocked them, you know? <laughs> yeah. I, I really, I had no idea I was going to be in, in music. The only thing I knew is that, you know, my mom, rest her soul, she had me taking classical music at a very early age, you know, and, uh, you know, and, and I didn't really want to do that uh, because I couldn't uh, create, you know, I had to play what was written. But then I went to college. I went to Syracuse, and I, as a matter of fact, I was up there with Lou Reed. We were in the yeah. same year, and uh, you know, just like that's what somebody wanted me to do, I guess. So that's what I did. So now, if your parents had been Jews, and- <laughs> <laughs> instead of he's one of mine, by yes. the way, he's yeah. Italiano, and yeah. and you were to say to them, "No, I'm not going to be a doctor. 
I'm going to be a big rock and roll star. Right. They would have fucking killed you. You got that right. <laughs> yes. So how the, well, did, it's, the same, it's the same thing in the Italian family. Yeah. Same thing. Pretty much. <laughs> well, you know, basically what happened is 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 I, I got a, a job uh, in my junior year through some of our fraternity people in the Catskills, the good old Catskills. Now, I'm sure you must have worked at Catskills. Oh, right? yeah. So, you know, I loved it. I just, oh, my God. I was making $60 a week and room and board. And what I, I what were you I doing? Like, were, you pl- were you playing backup for a... Uh... We we were the kind of like the swing band. Swing band. And and by that what I mean is we did everything. We played for the guests when they came in, cocktail hour. We played for the teens in the teen room. And then at night we paid we played for the lounge because the twist was happening. That's how friggin' long ago this was. <laughs> <laughs> so in comes this this group because the stars, the headliners of the of, of the week would come in, Joey D and the Starlight. Oh sure. And they saw me, and you know, make a long story short, uh, they remember they, they remembered me when, when they went to Europe, because their organ player quit on them, so they 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 needed a substitute. Now, meanwhile, the, the story, as I said, I don't want to take up all your time with the story, but there was this maitre d there at that hotel that, you know, he saw me getting ready to go back to college, you know, in September, August there, and. Uh, he told me, he says, man, you should do this. You're good. You should do it. So when my father, the doctor, comes into the into the Catskills, he said, don't worry. I'll take care of your father. Don't worry. He treated him like I was Elvis. <laughs> I remember I'm making 60 bucks a week here. You know what I'm saying? So I was a real big shot, you know? <laughs> and, but my dad was like flabbergasted. He says, you're doing pretty well here. I says, yeah, man. Oh, absolutely. So when I hit him with, can I take a year off? It's like butter. Wow. Yeah, and he let me go. You know, he said, and, "Take, take a shot." You know. And what kind of what comedians did you see out in the Catskills? Oh yeah. Well, you know, we had the good pleasure of seeing a lot of the real famous guys. You know, like uh, uh, Jackie Mason was up there. You know, and uh, oh, I'm trying to think of some of the names. You probably know the names better than I. But some of the classics, classic guys. I mean, you just don't find these guys anymore. You know, and uh, you know. <sighs> I didn't realize how nasty some of those guys could be. <laughs> Gilbert, you only played the Caskills what? That one time at yeah. was it was it Browns or like, Kutcher's or Yeah, I was at the the Neverly. Oh, the Neverly. You did the Neverly. Yeah. Oh, the, yes. The owners and the band liked me. Yes. That was gotcha. about it. Oh, <laughs> <laughs> uh, but those those were great days. I mean, you know, and and uh you know, I, I got a lot of experience up there. I I, I mean some good, some bad, but we were at the Raleigh, you know, and, and it was just, you know, like something that I, I don't know if this generation even knows what we're talking about. But, you know, it was magic. You know, there's no doubt about it because, you know, Jews have a good time. They go up there, they rock and roll, man. <laughs> they let it go. It's a they lost it era. It, it's a lost era. Yeah, exactly. we, we had some woman yeah. who wrote a whole book. Marissa Scheinfeld. Yeah. yeah. She wrote a book about the, we'll, we'll send you a copy. It's fascinating. It's about- About the Catskills? Well, it's a photo book about the photo essays of uh, really modern day photos of what's left. It's actually kind of sad and tragic. But on the opposite side of the page in the book, you see what the hotel used to look like and what the pool looked like. And oh, it's kind of, yeah. it's haunting. Yeah. Myron Cohen, I remember him. Oh, Myron oh, Cohen. Great. He was funny. Uh, they, no, these these are geniuses. These these guys, you know, they just got that gift, you know. That uh, 
Because Henny Youngman, you know, he was a very oh, dear sure. friend of our, our manager, you know, so we got to know him, you know, and uh, Alan King, oh, you know, Alan King, Giants, just Giants. You know, I'm so proud to have known these guys, you know, because, mm-hmm. you know, most, most of them are, are just really like brilliant genius talent. Let's face it. We don't have them like this anymore. They're not like that anymore. They got to use, you know, tricks to get laughs, you know? Yeah, those guys used to be hysterical. Oh, just phenomenal. Henny would kill me. Oh, funny guy. <laughs> you got the right word there, because once they start, you know, you're like that too. Once once you get somebody laughing, you don't let them up for air. Yeah. You know, that's it. <laughs> <laughs> it's true. And now while Gilbert heads into the nutmeg kitchen to steal more Perrier, <laughs> a word from our sponsor. Find a fresh take on a fall getaway to Wilmington, North Carolina and beaches. Enjoy hiking trails in a state park, fresh seafood with a sight of live music and fall festivals galore. Then live it up along the Riverwalk in Wilmington's historic downtown. With three island beaches, Carolina, Curie and Wrightsville and a vibrant downtown, you get the best of the Carolina coast all in one place. Plan your fall getaway at WilmingtonandBeachesVacation.com. Little Wing is now streaming on Paramount Plus. I'm in a period of emotional people. I saw all the oh, I don't care crap. A little adventure. Where are you going? I'm gonna steal a bird from the Russian pigeon mafia. Let's do it. Goes a long way. <laughs> Starring Brooklyn Prince with Kelly Riley and Brian Cox. Life can hurt, but life is sweet. Little Wing, rated PG-13, may be inappropriate for children under 13. Now streaming exclusively on Paramount Plus. This episode is brought to you by Paramount Plus. Get in, loser! Mean Girls is now streaming on Paramount Plus. Join Katie Heron as she meets the plastics and Tina Fey's new twist on the modern classic. Get ready for more of the rumors, backstabbing, and jokes you loved from the original movie with some fetch surprises. Rated PG 13. Wear pink and head to ParamountPlus.com to try it free. Gil and Frank went out to pee. Now they're back so they can be on their amazing colossal podcast. Podcast. Kids, time to get back to Gilbert and Frank's amazing colossal podcast. So let's go. So Felix, how did you get out of the Catskills and find yourself? I mean, it's a, it's I know it's a journey, but how did you find yourself in Sweden and Germany with the Beatles? Well, that's I'm because skipping Joey a couple D of hired. steps there. Yeah, jo- Joey D. Hired Joey D. and the Starlighters, there. right? Yeah, and 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 we go over there, and 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 next thing I know, these guys called the Beatles, who nobody knew yet over here, were opening for Joey D. You know, and so here I'm in a, in a, in a kind of like a a, a decision making time, like, well, should I try this for? A, and I see all these young, beautiful girls screaming, hollering, the top of their lungs, over these bands. I said, this this looks like I could do this. I think I'm gonna try this. <laughs> <laughs> this looks like fun. And it was really interesting because I remember hearing them for the first time, what I could hear with this, you know, the yelling. And I, I thought they were primarily a vocal group. You know, I, I didn't really think, you know, I wasn't that crazy about their musicianship because they were white, mm-hmm. you know? And so they, they played American music. It was kind of like, you know, stiff until they played their songs. When they started playing their songs is when I, I really, you know, took notice. I said, man, how cool is that? Of course, the next thing you know, the entire world was saying that, you know? So even back then, girls were screaming? 
by the Beatles. They could scream from birth. They could scream. Yes. Yeah. They, 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 they did this. It was unbelievable. There was something very special, you know, obviously going on. Now, here's a question I always ask people who saw the Beatles back then. And I mean, of course, George Martin was a genius. Now, do you think the Beatles would have been as popular without George Martin? Well, popular is 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 is, is an interesting word. I, I think they were popular as soon as they went on a stage, frankly. Oh, there was a certain kind of magic that these guys had that you know you can't, you know you you can't, you can't manufacture. That's that's the real thing. You know what I'm saying? Now, whether they would have made such phenomenal music without George. You know, we we had the same kind of situation with Arif Mardin, rest his soul. You mm-hmm. know what I mean? Genius. You know, you 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 got to have help. You know, and but I mean, I still think popularity. I mean, the the people just they just loved, they adored them. Wow! Did you guys socialize? Yeah. Did you have time to hang out with them? Yeah, Was it's it- hard to hang. It's hard to hang around with gods. You know. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> you know, I got to know George a little bit. You know, and uh, well, you know, later I, you would you would tour with Ringo. Later in well, your I career. Told, I got to know Ringo a little yeah. bit, you know. Yeah. But I, I, one time I asked George, you know, I says, hey, George, uh, do you realize that, you know, when you guys like move your little finger, you know, the, the earth vibrates a little bit, you know? And and very deeply and solemnly, he said, yes. So those guys had to carry that burden around wherever they went. Whenever they said something, it, it was really an important, you know, thing, you know? It's fascinating. Interesting, interesting fellas and, and talent. I mean, you know, I, you can't even talk about how good those guys were. But they emboldened you, didn't they, Felix? I mean, you, you've said how you, you, you kind of got inspired to. You, you knew it was about singing and putting your own band together. You didn't want to be doing the, 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 the peppermint twist and you didn't want to be doing that kind of stuff the rest of your no, career. No, I, I, you know, as I say, you know, I, I really felt uh, I could do what they were doing. Of course, I didn't realize the extent of, you know, like the genius that was there. Nobody did at that time. But mm-hmm. I said, hey, man, I can handle this. I could do this, you know. And, 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 it, 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 and, and later years, you know, the, the, the impact that those, those guys had on, on, on our musicians, uh, uh, you know, for example, when when they when they wrote a song and did a song, the radio stations had to play it. Mm-hmm. So when they opened the door, you know, such as Michelle or yesterday, we walked in the door with "How Can I Be Sure." How can I be sure in a world that's constantly changing? How can I be sure? Where I stand with you Whenever I Whenever I'm away From you I want to die Cause you know I want to stay With you How do I know Maybe you're trying to Flying too high can confuse me Touch me but don't take me down See, because radio stations, they didn't really want to play that stuff. They had to play that stuff. You know what I'm saying? Yeah. And that yeah. opened the door for all of us. Yeah. And and I remember, well, it was like Murray the K oh, yeah. was a big uh, speaker for the Beatles. And they started calling him the fifth Beatles. Yeah, one of many fifth Beatles. Yes. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> but, 
Yeah. Yeah. Now, I'd be remiss as an interviewer if I didn't ask you this question. Uh, as a big rock star, were you getting a lot of pussy? <laughs> <laughs> well, let's put it like this, okay? The, my nickname was the father of our country. <laughs> I'll leave it at that. <laughs> yeah, that was my nickname inside the oh, band. Oh, that's great. Yes. That's fantastic. Absolutely. So you came back to the States. You decided, I'm going to put a band together. And well, at first, I had, a, I had a little problem. Oh, you had the military issue. Thank you. Right. Right. Yes. Well, what happened? Do you want to tell us? Yes. They were scared scared to death of me. <laughs> <laughs> they didn't want anything to do with me. The military. Yeah, in those days, they were a little bit more kind of like, you know, choosy mm -hmm. about who they put a uniform on. Uh -huh. you know? They said, this guy? I don't know, you know. So uh, I said, you know, it was it's a long story, but uh, it, 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 I was not fit for the uh, army. I see. Which was fine. It was one why. And the why is... Why is this guy coming in here? Because you asked me. That's why, you know. And so then I felt free, seriously, to start a band. Because prior to that, you know, I knew I was going to get drafted. And, you know, we had to go through that uh, times, the four of us, each, each person. It was really, really, really interesting times. There's no question about that. And you knew you needed singers. Do I have that right? You, 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 you didn't well, just I, want I, guys that were great musicians. You wanted singers. I wanted great singers. And I wanted great players. And I mm -hmm. said, you know, I want to put the best guys I can find. And, you know, I'm very proud to say that when, when, I, when I found these guys, you know, we had a deal in six months. Yeah. Six months. We were ready to go. And you, you knew Jimi Hendrix. Right. Yes. I'm happy to say. Yeah. So how did you get to know Jimi Hendrix? And well, what was first he of like? all, Jimmy, Jimmy was, was, was involved in the New York music scene way back when he, I think he worked with the Isleys, you know, Isley brothers. Mm -hmm. And, uh, he was a really, really shy guy. I mean, if you can believe that, you know, he, 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 he you know, he, he, he was kind of tall, but you never knew it cause he was always hunched over. You know what I mean? He was always hunched over. And, and then in later years, of course, when he went to England, then I don't know if you guys know that story, but that's a fascinating story about when Jimi Hendrix went to England and all these famous, star guitar legend said, holy shit, did you see this guy down at the club? He's doing all of us put together. They flipped. And he came back to the United States and did his first solo show as the experience with us in Madison, I mean, in the, in the Central Park. Wow. So I hadn't seen him, you know, in years. And here's this guy standing upright with a feather in his hat. And I said, man, what happened to you, bro? And he said, I'm going to show you. Well, when there was Rascal fans out there, when he went on the stage, man, he scared them half to death. <laughs> he was just, he was on fire, man. I mean, he just, he just blasted that out there like you can't believe. And, you know, the thing is, man, he, he, he was really a nice man. He was really a, nothing like, you know, you would think of, you know, he was. He was, as a matter of fact, a little bit too nice, you know, because he would give, give, give stuff away and sign a lot of contracts and, give a lot of money and stuff like that. And then unfortunately, you know, it caught up to him. I, I, I've heard you say he kind of fell in with the wrong crowd. Well, you know, a lot of people did because all, all the folks who were around them have all passed as well. But 
Uh, Jimmy was a very troubled guy because, uh, you know, it's tough to be the best guitar player in the world every night of your life. You know, that's, that's a big, big hill to climb, mm-hmm. you know? Mm-hmm. And uh, fortunately, I never had to worry about that. <laughs> <laughs> so, yeah. and, and Jimi Hendrix also opened for the Monkees. He did his he first did. tour, I think, with yeah, them. Yeah, he did. And I heard he failed miserably as their opening act. I don't yeah, know. Yeah. I mean, you know, it, it, I, I don't see how it's possible. But, you know, as I say, I mean, it, when, he, when he went on stage, uh, uh, it was kind of like a, it, nobody was doing that, what he yeah. was doing. You mm-hmm. know, they, they were, they were, uh, however, you know, it, 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 it's interesting because coming up the way I came up, you know, uh, through the uh, New York club scene, a, a lot of the people who would come up from the South, you know, and play guitar did a lot of the stuff he did you know, behind the back and with his teeth and all that. But nobody ever saw that before because it was all obscure, you know what I'm saying? So when he brought that to real life, he also brought it with some of the most fantastic, uh, you know, guitar chops you could get, you know. He he really, like, he, he, he really illustrated that. He really brought that into a, you know, kind of a, like a more dynamic uh, vision, you know. It's so envious that we never got to see these guys play live. Oh, yeah. Never, never got to see Hendrix play live or hear oh, or hear well, that you, music you, you live got, you can see that you know the the the, the, the videos of sure him, sure you know, yeah because he was he was just a good man and, and you know we had the same attorney you know and you know i really really tried to help him out you know get over those uh those drug things you know Let, let's let's talk a little bit rascal's history too about putting the band together i thought the the the, the way you found dino through your wife i think is an interesting story yeah, well, I was seeing this lady and, uh, you know. Your first uh, wife. Yeah, she used to go to clubs and stuff like that. And I thought I had a pretty, you know, good idea of some band. And she said, you guys are all right. I said, what, what, are, you, what are you talking about? You <laughs> You're a freaking teller in a bank. <laughs> Give me a break. She says, well, right. she, she says, I know a guy. And I says, really? Yeah, where? And, and, and you know, I don't know if you guys remember the Metropole. You remember the Metropole? Oh. The Metropole was on 7th Avenue and it had a window and before they turned to stripping, oh, it was like a go 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 club. I remember the Metropole, of no, course. Of course you do. It was a go go club, right? In fact, in fact, what I remember about the Metropole when it was a strip club, of course, I knew like when you walked down that block at a certain angle, you could look in the door. And see a naked girl. Is that the dancing? place that that Oscar Madison's looking in the window in the opening so. of the Odd Couple? I yeah. think so. Yeah. And and I remember I used to know exactly what position to be in, <laughs> where you could see inside the Metropole. Of course and, you did. And see a naked girl dancing on the table. See that takes talent. That takes talent. <laughs> He's a scout. <laughs> yes. Well, prior to prior to the naked woman, they used to have musicians in there, and and she took me there, you know, and I saw this guy playing through the window, you know what I mean, and 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 he was just he was like watching a a, a movie, you know, you know he, you know he he had learned from guys like Louis Belson uh-huh. and Gene Krupa and these guys how to put on a show, as well as play the drums and play them well, and I don't think anybody was doing that at the time, you know, but it, it was really. Great seeing that, and and so I asked her immediately, "Do you know a guitar player?" <laughs> you know, because she was certainly right about the drum. Yeah, and, turned out to and be. And not to interrupt you, but after years of peeking in the metro, 
finally, I realized I had gotten some notoriety in show business when the bouncer saw me walking down the street and said, hey, come in for free. <laughs> you knew you made it. Yes, yes. I'm sorry he didn't say, don't I know you? <laughs> <laughs> the Pussycat Lounge. I've been here for like 300 times, you know, it's time to come in. Right? Yeah. The Metropole. So you put the band together, the Brigatti right. brothers, you met you, you you met Gene. It just came together piece by piece, right? Well, uh, uh, Eddie uh, and and Gene were, were working in, in, in a club with uh, uh, Joey D uh, mm-hmm. owned uh, called the Starlighter. Mm-hmm. You know, da- David was not really with us. He he came uh, on to sing uh, with uh, some of the records. Right, the uh, fifth the, the fifth rascal I heard of. Correct, like him and Murray. Yeah, right. exactly, exactly. But you know, uh, uh, the four of us was Gene, myself, Dino, and uh, uh, Eddie. Uh, we started out and. Uh, you know, we started out in, in New Jersey, and then we went to the barge in Long Island, where we were kind of discovered. Yeah. You know, and uh, then Sid Bernstein came and saw us. Uh, he came at, at, at he was he was uh, asked to come there by another, another gentleman who who uh, wanted to manage us, and then we had a, literally we had a deal almost almost immediately after that. You with, know? with Atlantic. With Atlantic. Yeah, and you were very proud of the fact that you were the first uh, white act. On it on Atlantic because they had Ray Charles, they had all these people. Well, half my collection, coasters, you know, my music the collection was all was all friggin' you know Atlantic. But the, the main thing about Atlantic is is that they allowed us to produce ourselves. I, I wanted to produce the band. I, I didn't want to get you know somebody to take over the reins. I wanted to do it ourselves, you know. And they were the only ones really that would allow us to do that. And Ink and Eat My Heart Out was the first single. Well, yeah, because again, we had not really made a transition to being writers yet, you mm-hmm. know. And so they 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 brought this song, and uh, you know, it was the first time we we got on the radio, which was which really you know pretty 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 cool. It was a lot. Yeah, of we've asked that question when we had Tommy James and we had Howard. We said, "What was it like to hear your your hear your voice coming out of a? I assume it was a transistor radio, the right. first time, a life changing experience. It was, and it is. Wow." You hear yourself, you're walking through a supermarket, you know, and, and you're hearing groove and you're going like, these suckers, they don't know that's me up there. <laughs> that's great. That's me, man. That's great. And you go what? around smiling and they say, what's wrong with this cat? You know? <laughs> yeah, it's a thrill. What about when you hear a Muzak version of your song? <laughs> <laughs> I've always wondered that. Well, you know, you, you got to understand this is a business. Oh, you know? Yeah. So there's change being presented at that point. So you know we 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 appreciate the change. We appreciate the you know we appreciate that. That's about it. Yeah. Yeah. The checks still come. The checks come. It's yeah. Like, like I say. Yeah. So they wanted covers. I've heard you say that the record companies well, they wanted covers at that time. They didn't want originals. Clubs wanted covers. They they didn't want they didn't want to hear you know your innermost emotions (laughs) (laughs) they weren't interested you know i I tell this on stage you know like uh, the the club owners would come up to me you know they say uh listen i want to explain to you exactly what makes a good band i said okay i can't wait to hear this from (laughs) my friend that owns this place called the choo-choo club right he says you see those people out there dancing i said yeah he says the next thing they're going to do is start drinking right he says yeah he says that's what makes a good band i says got it i got it so the idea is to keep them dancing. 
That's it. They get hot. They start drinking. You're good. Right. Got the message. So you're still not writing your own compositions yet with Eddie, but how did you, you, and you were doing covers, but you were trying to find obscure covers. Absolutely. Yeah. And that's how I found a lot, a lot of good stuff. Yeah. And that's how you found good loving. So I found good loving. Yeah. yeah. By the Olympics. Well, yes, by the Olympics, and I heard it on, on you know, a radio station, so it was legit. I went out and bought a copy, showed it to the club owner, and said, look, this is a cover. I can prove it. Here's the original. Ha-ha. Yeah. And it worked. It worked from the first day. I watched a video of it, and there's Billy Preston playing playing keyboards. Yeah, you know, for the first day we played that song, people, you know, like, they, they just got up and danced, you know? Yeah. Well, I, obviously, I prefer your version. Their version is interesting, but it doesn't Olympics. it doesn't move like your version. It doesn't they don't have, have Dino that. on the drums. They don't have Mr. Dino kicking butt behind you, you know? It doesn't have the sound. I'll play them for Gilbert, too, because I think he'd be curious. It doesn't have the same energy as no. what you guys brought Absolute. to it. Absolutely. One, two, three. You know, before Good Lovin' became a hit, in those days you had to go to the West Coast, you had to tie the whole country together radio-wise. So we went out to the West Coast to the Whiskey-A-Go-Go, and that's really where oh, sure. know, it happened. Now, we're working with guys out there that were in a complete daze. I'm serious. Like, we work with a group. <laughs> they were in a complete fog. You know, the drugs out there were so thick you could you could actually cut it. You know? <laughs> There's a group, there was a group, I think it was called Arthur Lee and Love or something like that. I thought they had passed away. They were, they were the opening <laughs> Seriously. So we go on. I got these four kids from New York and New Jersey. They kicked butt from the first minute. You know, it was like, 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 a, like a hurricane coming through the room. You know, it was East I'll Coast bet. versus West Coast. Very interesting, man. Never forget that. Tell us about the creative environment at Atlantic that you started to talk about with with Tom Dowd, with with uh, with Arif, with the guys that cre- created this environment for you guys that was just ideal. Well, you know, uh, the studio that is unfortunately no longer there. Yeah. Uh, the history of that studio in terms of what music transpired in that room was was absolutely amazing between John Coltrane, Ray, Ray Charles, you know, uh, you know, uh, uh, the drifters, you know, uh, uh, all all these phenomenal, phenomenal talent. I mean, the coasters, you know, Phil Spector worked in there. You know, he did uh, Benny King, you know, yeah, and all these sure. guys. Uh, the one thing I got to say about Atlantic, and you know, I, I was a pretty naive guy, you know, like I, I, at that point. But as as I say, you know, I, I was really in love with where I was and what I was doing, and 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 I I really felt that Atlantic, their number one priority was making great music. And I still believe that the the procedure that they kind of taught us to record was kind of in the jazz vein, where you know you you have 
you have a, a, a moment in time that you, you, you record. You know what I'm saying? There wasn't like we had only eight tracks and we were the only ones with eight tracks, believe it or not. Everybody else had four. So there was not a lot of overdubs like there are today. So you had to capture a moment and, you know, make it really great. So, uh, you know, I just got, I learned so much from those guys, you know, and uh, uh, just enjoyed every moment of it because it was all about music. There. And, I, and I know the people, they, they wanted to make money. I understand that, you know. But Ahmet and those guys there, Wexler and, mm -hmm. and all those guys, they, their number one priority was music. And I, and I always, always, always will, will be grateful for that. And, and we heard a lot of stories from musicians about, like, the unsung heroes of studio musicians right now do you have any stories like that people or just what you notice with studio guys well uh in our case we 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 were self-contained yeah. with the exception of the bass you know we, we we had a bass player uh come in uh, from king curtis's band by the name of chuck rainey to begin with but you know it's interesting you say that because you know i live in nashville right now you know and uh uh i had dinner the other night with a guy by the name of reggie young now, you probably don't know his name. We don't. Google his name. Okay. Look at the records that this guy played on. You will not believe. He played with Elvis. Oh, wow. He played with, you know, that wonderful song that uh, BJ had? Hooked uh, on a Feeling. Oh, yeah, sure. Oh, wow. Oh, yeah. You know, the beginning of Drift yeah. Away? Drift Away? Oh, Dobie Gray. That's that's Reggie Young. Oh, love that. Now, here's, here's a guy who, you know, nobody knows his friggin' name. He played on over 150 hit records. Is it, he's not you in know? that movie. He's not in Standing in the Shadows of Motown, is he? Or no, any of those he was docs? In okay. He, he was, oh, he's a, he, was okay. out of, he was out of Memphis, you know. Okay, and, uh, out of Memphis. But I mean, there's a perfect example of what you're saying. I mean, these guys, you know, nobody knows their name. They got session fees and they went home. But I mean, right. without that beginning and those songs, there's no songs. He played on Suspicious Mind. Wow. You know, for Elvis. So anyway, I, I was with these guys last night from the Crickets. You remember the Crickets? Of course, Buddy yeah. Guys? Of course, and, yeah. And Reggie and I told them, man, you guys, it, it, these stories are phenomenal. So the the drummer from the, the I shouldn't say it on the air because I don't want to give the guy's title away. But it's, I was telling uh, Kim here, I said you guys got to write a book. So the, the drummer says I am writing a book. He says you know what I call it? I said what? No shit. <laughs> I said I said wait 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 a second. Where'd you get that title from? He says every time I tell somebody a story, they go no shit. That's so funny. <laughs> Is that great? That's great. You know, you know both those both those documentaries that I just mentioned, uh, Felix, Standing in the Shadows of Motown, and also the Wrecking Crew doc. Yes, really give really shine a light on those guys. Absolutely, so should people should rent those. Our listeners uh, should should rent both of those those documentaries. And I saw you in the Arif documentary, by the way. Oh yeah, which is Absolutely. very good. Yeah, he was a, he was a, he was a great man. I, know, I, I really really miss him. And talent, I mean, not only, I mean, working with, obviously, Aretha and you guys, and, and I mean, they say gave the Bee Gees their sound, but but jazz. I mean, the the, the, the guy ran the gamut. Well, I'll tell you something, you know, like, uh, he, he was... Uh, um, His talent. Very, very talented guy. And, and the interesting thing about him is that uh, uh, how he was discovered, and, 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 and basically he was, he was in Turkey. Yeah, he's Turkish. Yeah. And uh, uh, Quincy Jones was appearing in, in, in Istanbul. And you know how you used to give, in the old days, they used to give people cassettes. So before Quincy got on the plane and went to the airport or whatever, Arif gave him his cassette. 
When he got off the plane, he called him up and asked him to come to Berkeley to be a professor. That's how good it was. Wow. That's how he got discovered. Now, this guy was a giant, you know, and uh, it, it's really an interesting story because, you know, when we got there, he was he was just a, an A&R guy. He was a guy on staff, you know. You, you've said he was your George Martin. He was a lot of people's George Martin. This guy was brilliant. Mm-hmm. And I and, 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 uh, miss him terribly. He was a great guy. Great guy. And and the rascals worked with Bing Crosby. Yeah. In a special. Yeah, we love that. And a rowboat. We're on a friggin' rowboat with Bing Crosby. <laughs> Was that a pinch me moment for the kid from the Bronx? You know, there's a lot of pinch me moments. I'll bet. The- it was interesting, you know. Yeah, I mean, you know, like, it, it's just you got to meet all these guys. You know, like, recently I had a major shock because I got to know Bill O'Reilly, you know. Oh. He loves music. <laughs> he loves music, this guy. He loves music. Little did I know he was paying off people like that. I should have asked him for some money, you know. <laughs> <laughs> it's true. Were you Great ca- guys. <laughs> Who knows? Were you guys, the, and I, I love this too, you were, the, you were the kind of guys, you said you love what you were doing, but you guys would stay in the studio all night. Sometimes. Yes. You just, you were so locked in in those days. And this, the well, story about Otis Redding, is that apocryphal? That Otis oh, yeah, Redding popped true. his head Absolutely. into the studio? Oh, yeah, Tell yeah. Gilbert, well, it's so fascinating. Well, you know, first of all, in answer to the, to the first part of it, Atlantic gave us free studio time. And we, we took advantage of that, you know, because uh, as long as we were making hit records, and, you know, Wilson Pickett used to get really angry. Man, I can't get in there, man. Them damn rascals <laughs> always in that room. Always in that room. But Atlantic had a different kind of environment from, you know, like, for example, Columbia, which we went to later years. It was really a wide open kind of place. You know, there was no signs up recording, do not enter, you know. It was wide open. So Otis, Otis, you know, came in, you know, and and and, and that's a true story. He opened up the door and he said, my God, they are white. <laughs> I love that. <laughs> yeah, he was a great guy. I he, used love to call Amit, he used to call Amit Omelette. <laughs> omelet, omelet, what's that? Omelet. You, know, <laughs> you, uh, yeah. you just reminded me, and now it's weird to have him as a fan. But Bill O'Reilly came up to me at a Saturday Night Live party and told me he was a fan of mine. See, and and also I didn't know how to react to that. <laughs> Well, I didn't know how to react to it either. You know, he was the nicest guy. He was the sweetest guy. I mean, he came back. I met him at a U2 concert first. And then he came to three or four of my shows. He's a doll. (laughs) Of course, you know, I'll probably get letters. You know, like, he he was really sweet, man. I mean, I I don't know. Like I say, it's a shame, you know, because there's two sides to every uh, (laughs) every guy. What what was oh, this? Well. What were the details about the, the Bing Crosby show that you guys did, and how you wound up in a rowboat? And what did, your, it was. It and was did an, you ever see Bing beat any of his kids? <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Uh, no, it was some, some sort of like a, it was either an Andy Williams special. Oh, you or did that like too. That. Yeah. We did that too. Yeah. yeah, and 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 we were in a boat. I just remember we were in California. You know. Yeah, he was nice. He was a nice guy. He do was a little old. You know? <laughs> do you remember doing Hullabaloo with Alan King in 1965? Oh, yeah. Sure, sure. And it's like yeah. a Marx Brothers thing. You guys are yeah. hiding in barrels. Yeah. <laughs> and he's the cop on the beat. That's I'm going to show right. it to Gilbert. And, they, and yeah. they're where are those rascals? And they pop out of basket out of out of barrels. And I guess you guys sing the uh, uh, first single. Ain't going to eat up my yeah, heart. Yeah, heart. You see, uh, uh, Alan and, and Sid Bernstein were, were, were close friends. I see. You know, and so, uh, you know, 
people used to help one another in those days, you know what I'm saying? And, you know, like, so he helped us, he helped Sid, you know, and, you know, we appreciated it. You know, it was a different planet then, you know, it was, of course, it was different, you know. Alan King was one of the greats. Funny. Oh my God. Yes, he was, you know, a very smart man, as you well know, you know, he was brilliant guy, you know. Oh, and I remember a Buddy Hackett story about Bing Crosby <laughs> where he said, Do I know why Bing Crosby beat his kids? It's because Bing Crosby couldn't get a hot on. Uh-huh. <laughs> wow. Wow. Yeah. Yeah, we met him. We met uh, Buddy Buddy Hackett at a, at a, at a uh, Ed Sullivan show. We oh, used to do that wow. show. Oh, yeah. Him. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, I loved him, man. Oh my God! We're gonna how ask funny you. Can you get seriously? How oh, funny he was. Can you get? He was. You can't oh. get funnier than these people. Oh, he, these guys are brilliant. Hysterical. We were gonna ask you about Sullivan, about doing the Sullivan show. Did you? Did you? Because we had Peter Asher here, who did the Sullivan show. We had Tommy James, and everybody remembers him as kind of stiff, kind of humorless. <laughs> he hated us. <laughs> he hated you. <laughs> so Ed Sullivan hated the Rascals. You know, man. You know. <laughs> <laughs> how so felix well you know how can i put this nicely i can't <laughs> don't i uh, you know uh, he was not a nice guy you know yeah. what i'm saying he I've was heard like that a, too you know, and 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 we were very high at those in those days <laughs> so, so i don't know how he, I, I guess you could say he didn't like looking up to people i don't know what can i tell you he didn't like us because you know we were pretty stoned when i walked in that door he, he looked at me like <laughs> Get back under that rock, you son of a, you know. <laughs> Ed Sullivan struck me as a prick, even back then. Yeah, yeah. And, and you know, the, the, his son-in-law, who was the director of the show, is named Bob Precht. Yeah. So it was pretty close. I see. <laughs> well, we'd heard he could be vengeful and wield, and wield his power in, uh, in aggressive ways, Ed Sullivan. Yeah, I, I yeah. had a couple of run-ins, you know, with him over the years because we did it six times. Right. You know? So I asked him for a locker. I said, can we have a permanency here? You know? <laughs> oh, well. Well, Gilbert also wants to know if you have any recollection of doing the Joey Bishop show. Oh, yes. Oh, absolutely I do. Sure I do. And I'll tell you why. Because of Sammy Davis Jr. Because, you know, in those days, uh, the Beatles had done these two videos, of, you know, films, uh, Strawberry Fields and uh, uh, God, uh, Penny Lane. Oh, Penny Lane, yeah. Yes. So... We started a company, true story, called Pasta Productions. Danelli, <laughs> <laughs> Brigatti, and Cavallari. Thank you very right. much. Right. <laughs> and we did a video down in, uh, oh my God, down in Puerto Rico of all places. And he wouldn't let us put it on the air, you know, because he said, look, I paid for live music. You guys are playing, you know. But Sammy got us he got us permission to show that video on on the on the on the show and, and, and you know like I, I had never met Sammy Davis Jr but what a nice man you know what I'm saying he didn't have to do that you know he just came to our aid that's nice what was yeah. Joey Bishop like uh, he was kind of like you know he was kind of like a little dry you know uh, off the air and, and and funny as hell on the air you know what I'm saying he was you know he, he's one of that 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 those personalities like you guys have, you know, you're and you're on, you're you're one guy, and then when you're not on, you're pain in the ass, you know. <laughs> 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 but 
but I liked him because he was he was nice to us. You know, he was he was a gentleman to us. And you know, when you're a kid, you appreciate that. You know, you're nice to us. You know, we liked it. We liked we liked him. We heard some negative stories about Joey Bishop from from several people. Glad you had a good run in with him. Well, I'm sure, you know, I mean, like I say, you know, in this business, uh, if you don't have negative stories, you've probably been in it a week, you know, <laughs> <That's about it. laughs> you know? <laughs> there's always somebody, right? Tell us, uh, changing changing gears about as far as you can get from Joey Bishop, tell us about the great Laura Nero, who, oh, you, yeah. who, who you worked with, right. who was a, a genius and, and left us too yeah. soon. Well, I, ha- I happened to meet David Geffen before he was David Geffen. Uh-huh. He was at You that met a lot of people manage- before they were who they were. I know that's that, yeah. that that shows you the years that go by, but uh, he he was a, an agent at that time, and he was also her manager. And so he he uh, he said, and "This is a true story." He says, "How would you like to meet the most impossible person you ever met?" And I said, "What do you mean?" He says, "Well, we need a producer for Laura Nero. She's a big fan. What do you think?" Well, she and I became like you know dear dear friends. I I mean I I, I adored her. You know what I'm saying? And uh, what a songwriter I, I, and just a phenomenal talent. And one of the strangest people I've ever met as far as I, I, the, the purest artist I've ever met. I, I never met anybody whose, whose music, you know, really meant that much. Cause a lot of us, you know, with all due respect, you know, they say, well, you know, you, they're not going to play it in the radio like that, you know, so you change it. She would not change it. Yeah. You know, she got, I found that interesting. You said that she was, she was inflexible that way. She really knew what she wanted, and that was that. That was that. Gilbert, you know exactly. those songs, Stony End, Sweet Blindness, and Wedding Bell Blues. Oh, yes. She was a genius. And and, and unknown, a lot of people don't know who she yeah. is. Yeah. Sadly, sadly. And one group we mentioned before that we had two members of on the podcast, the Monkees. I You worked with. Yeah. Did you guys do a Monkees episode that was un, that was unreleased? No. Or something like that? Do I don't blame that on us. We okay. didn't do that. <laughs> I gotta check my research on that. There's I, I found just something. I just work with those guys. I, well, I just work with Mickey and uh and Mike and uh you know I, I know and we knew uh, what's his name, Davy Jones for years. He, mm-hmm. he, who was a really funny guy. I don't know if you guys know that. I he met was him once. Really a, a really good comedian. I mean he had a, a really good wit. Great, great Davy Jones trivia is, of course, he appeared on the Sullivan Show the night the Beatles made their uh, their debut oh, really? in '64. Wow. He was in a, he was in a stage production of Oliver in the oh. U, in the UK. Did you know that? Oh yeah, yeah. That, he's in that he's, I, he's on that wow. episode, and so was Frank Gorshin, by the way. Ah, oh, wow. Yeah, wow. yeah. I also want to direct. To, I, I have to talk a little bit about, it, and it's over an overused term, Felix, blue-eyed soul. Yes, but I have to, and I in doing the research. There's a clip of you guys on the Tom Jones show. Oh yeah, that was and cool. you and Tom Jones duetting on on the, in the midnight hour. That's great, which yeah. is friggin' fantastic. Yeah, that's that's a great great thing. Yeah, we, you know we were in England and here it was about 10 a.m. in the morning and he's completely drunk. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, and man, at we 10 just, we just at 10 a.m. Wow. <laughs> yeah. But I tell you, he, he was he he was and is he, he's good, man. Oh so yeah, we, we we worked off each other. That was fun. I remember that. I saw that clip many times. That was fun. And we heard that um, Tom Jones was also a fun guy to work with. Well, I I always had a lot of respect to Tom, and I, and I'll tell you why. You know, he came to a club that we were working in as the Rascals. You know, 
and I'm I'm dating this really nice looking blonde, you know. <laughs> and he's like this humongous like sex idol, you know. Uh huh. He comes in, asks you to dance. I says, "So long. That's it. Goodbye." But when he heard that she was my girlfriend, he left her alone. Class. Oh, so I wow. Said, a mensch, a mensch and a half there. <laughs> <laughs> so, you know, I, I, always, I always had a tremendous fondness with this guy. Yes, just to quote Billy Saluga, he was quite the coxman. Oh, <laughs> what, he yeah. said about, what he said about uh, Tom Jones. <laughs> yep. Tom Jones, I, I once heard a recording of him singing My Yiddish Mama. Oh, my uh-huh. God. Yes. The other thing Gilbert and I were talking about, too, because he brought up Murray the K, and it's it's interesting, too. One of the fun stories is you writing Groovin. Yeah. Because you also had Latin influences. Right. And what happened? What was Jerry Rexler's reaction? Well, uh, it, 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 the record company did not like it because there was no drums in it. Right. You know, it was a conga rather than drums. And so they, they you know, they, they were very concerned about us, uh, you know, kind of, leaving our so-called rock and roll roots, you know. But mm-hmm. Murray was in the studio at that time. And he, he went into Jerry and said, I'll put that record on the air tomorrow, you know. And and, and he did. And that was number one for six weeks. Number ago. one. Yeah. On a Sunday afternoon Interesting how record executives survive. <laughs> well, well, I've heard you've, I've heard you say. I mean, they're right sometimes and they're wrong a lot of times, like everybody else. However, right. you know, when you got the power, you know, you, you got the power, and that's the end. Of, I mean, like, imagine the guy, and and he's legendary. The guy who passed on the Beatles. You know oh I mean? yes. I mean, he's he's he'll go down in history, biggest schmuck in the world, right? <laughs> But he did. They passed. Ah, we don't want you guys. You're not good. You'll never mean anything. And and yep. how did people gotta be free come about? Ah, uh, well, you know, again, uh, I was working for Bobby Kennedy's campaign, you know, and um, I was with this lady uh, who actually was there at the assassination. You know, she was present. That's incredible. She was at the and ambassador. She was at the ambassador in yeah. L.A. Wow, and uh, I was I was on vacation, and I, I I heard about it, man. I said, I we gotta we gotta say something, man. We gotta do something, you know, because you know in those days a, a lot of us, you know, were really involved. You know, we were involved in 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 what we thought was 
saving the world, you know, cosmic consciousness, civil rights. We're involved. Whereas today, these people are afraid to tell you what they think because they're going to lose their audience. You know what I mean? So they're real brave guys out there today, you know? Because if you look at the campaigns, the only guys that are out there, they're older, you know? Yeah. They're afraid now. They're afraid of saying what they're what they're about. Well, we weren't. Well, the Rascals you know? were known for not for not playing gigs that weren't integrated. Yeah, I mean, you know, little did I know the trouble was causing by saying that. I, you know, I thought I had a good idea. You know, <laughs> what a great idea! Oh yeah, that'll go over big down here. Well, yeah. <laughs> you know, you got to think, my man. You know, oh, was boy. was there? And and if you if you're uncomfortable talking about this, Felix, I'll just cut it out of the show because we're not live. Was there an incident in Florida that that that? Uh, oh yeah. And I yeah. haven't I haven't heard you speak about it. I I, I did a little digging. That partly inspired people got to be free? No, no. It no, just it partly, didn't. No, it just partly inspired me taking up martial arts. Oh, okay. <laughs> oh, jeez. Okay. Oh, yeah. Well, long hair in the South, you know, in the 60s. and you ran, into, you ran into some trouble. Well, you know, it was Dino's fault. You know, he said, let's stop there. <laughs> you know, let's eat over there. You know, oh, boy. Now, the Bobby Kennedy assassination, didn't yeah. that? Drive Bobby Darren nutty for a while. I don't know. Well, he, he was close to him, and yeah, a lot of people. John Frankenheimer was 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 yeah. a friend of his, and was working with that campaign. Now, there's I, a new book out right now that uh, you know I'm, I'm I'm reading right now. I mean, who who knows what would have happened if he had you know made it a little further into the into the history of the United States? He certainly had some good ideas, that's for sure. Well, that song to not only took off to, when went to number one, but I, it went. It was big in Hong Kong. It was big in South Africa. I mean, that song was really embraced. Yes, and, and it's something I've always been proud of, you know, because like you know, when they knocked the Berlin Wall down, they played "People Got to Be Free." Yes, indeed. that's not that had to feel great. Yeah, that does feel great. It really does. And Springsteen said to you that that uh, that it, the song would never be surpassed in terms of it, <laughs> well, and that yeah. was that that's that had to feel good too. Yeah, we, we had a, a couple of meetings way back, you know, in the beginning. And, uh, you know, he told told me that, you know, he really felt, you know, the, the truth of those words, you know, spoke, you know, to him. Did it did it change you, uh, Felix, the, the, the assassination? I mean, you were working for the campaign. Obviously, you the, you, you, you describe you guys what, what you guys were. Well, you were idealistic. Yeah, uh, it didn't change that, any of my any of my. No, it didn't I don't mean it didn't change your politics. No, it didn't change at all. No. No, it just, uh, you know, like, you know, we, everybody, you know, it, it's like, you know, when, when we were at Atlantic, you know, uh, when Martin Luther King was assassinated, now mm-hmm. Atlantic was an all black label. Mm-hmm. I mean, they, every, you know, and everybody said, well, were you guys all right? Everybody was crying. How could we not be all right? You know what I'm saying? I mean, you know, there was no anger there, danger there of us. You know, everybody was sad. Everybody was crying. They lost their guy. They lost their, you know, their father figure, their, you know, their, 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 you know, the guy who they thought was going to bring, it, it was a different world then. Sure. You know? Now, boy, your God, you, you know, it's, it's something else now, isn't it? Yeah. And so the rascals eventually went their separate ways. You did, yes. you did a lot of solo work. You work with Todd Rundgren, you work with all kinds of people. And then well, it was a reunion tour, a brief reunion tour without Eddie in the eighties. Yep. In 88. Yep. Yeah. Yep. That's also when Atlantic did its 40 year uh, anniversary. Right. You did that show too. Oh, that was so much fun. Yeah. Well, and then, all of the acts came, you know, together, 
And we were all pretty much at the same hotel, so it was like really, really nice. Is that really show fun. available, by the way? That that Atlantic 40th anniversary? I think it is. You know, yeah. there was a little kind of like funny business going on with some of the royalties, so it may not have be still available. But yeah, right. That was a great show, by the way. You know, Zeppelin and 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 everybody else, BGS, man, you name it, they were all there. That was fun. And then you guys did the the uh, the cancer benefit in 2010, right? At yes. the tri- at the Tribeca Grill. And yeah. and I've heard you say some some fence mending took place at that point. People have well, to understand yeah. it's a long it's a long a uh, lot of long you know relationships here that are going back what thirty forty years with you guys. Yeah, you know, like it, a it's family. Just, it's real silly. You know, it's silly. I mean, you know, like I say, to break up when you're on top of the, you know, top of the pile there, man, is just stupidest thing you know we've ever done, and we've done a lot of stupid things since then. So, let me tell you. What was happening when you were on top and, like, between all of you? Oh, God, that's a tough question there. You know, because, um, yeah, you know, uh, uh, I, I think if, if the more groups you talk to, you'll probably hear the same story. Well, Howard know. told us a similar story about the Turtles. Over and over yeah, and over, yeah. you know. Uh, there was really no no reason, concrete reason, for any of that to happen. And and by that, I mean, there was nobody like stealing, you know, uh, embezzling, uh, stealing each other's wives. You know, it was, there was nothing. It was just, you just, you can only say the word ego, jealousy, stupidity. And I, and I do mean that it, with a capital S, stupidity. You, you don't break up a winning team, man. You know? So it was real sad. I was that that affected me <laughs> very much, you know, because. I'm sure. You know, you put this dream together and then all of a sudden, you know, like, one of the guys decides to leave. It's like your car. All of a sudden, the, you know, the front wheel says, screw this, I'm going. You know? <laughs> and it leaves, you know. <laughs> well, tell, tell us about a better memory. Tell us about getting inducted into the into the Hall of Fame and, and, and little, oh, yeah, little Stephen yeah. inducting you guys. And I didn't know when I was telling Gilbert that when he made the induction speech that that led to him being cast in The Sopranos, which is great trivia. It's great trivia. Yeah, and did, have you seen his little bit there? That I watched he did? it yesterday. I can I can me, see what David Chase saw in him. <laughs> he told me he had another half hour, and he was too embarrassed to do it. <laughs> he really, well, he really takes off the coat. That. He's wearing a big, yeah. heavy coat Phenomenal. and the schmata. Yeah, and then he takes <laughs> the great. he takes the coat off, and he's wearing the old rascal's little Lord Fauntleroy with, with a little <laughs> tiny tie. That was really good. Really great. You didn't see that coming, did you? He, know, he surprised you too. Know. Absolutely. Oh yeah. 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 So how did it feel? I mean, you know, give us well, some give us some perspective. Well, you know, it, it, unfortunately, you know, it, 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 the, the the rascals uh, is is kind of like uh, it's like saying surus. You know uh-huh. what I mean? There's, there's, <laughs> seriously. Yeah. I, mean, I mean, your audience will know what I mean. You yeah. know, like <laughs> it's never like you know, like boy, that's great. No, no. It's aggravation from the, you, know what I mean? you don't have a dull moment. There's never a dull moment because there's always somebody making, you know, trouble. You know what I'm saying? Otherwise, it was a great night. Yeah. You know? Eddie came on. He looked like an Apache. Yeah. You know, he, at that time, he was, he was an Indian garb, yeah. garb, you know? Yeah. And I don't know if you saw his speech, but. I saw, I saw the whole thing. <laughs> oh, yeah. yes. Yeah. All you have to do is listen to that and you say, like, why? Yeah. You know, Why? I took it very seriously, you know. I, I took it very seriously, you know, and 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 I felt like, okay, this is cool. And you know, not only that, but I got a chance to see people 
It was the last time I got to see a lot of these people because they passed, like, uh, you know, from the Bee Gees. Oh, yeah, know? Robin and Maurice. Uh, Ma Maurice w w was was gone shortly after. Uh, uh, Michael from the Jackson 5, you uh -huh. know. Uh, you know, so it was a big thing for me to, you know, kind of see these guys, you know, like, you know. It was fun. It was, I say that word fun because, look, man, I, I've had a ball. I, 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 I enjoy every, everything I do. Let me tell you. So I, I don't look back at, at, at the aggravation. But unfortunately, there was a lot of it, you know, with us. Right. Well, do you, do you allow yourself those moments like, you know, I'm the kid from Westchester and, and I idolize these guys. And now I'm in the Hall of Fame with Elvis and Chuck Berry and the Beatles. And, uh, but it still the, cost me to get on the subway. What am I going to tell you? <laughs> Same price. <laughs> so there you go. <laughs> it's you the got, same price. You got real perspective, Felix. <laughs> you got that right. <laughs> Do you know who I am? Yes. $2.50, please. <laughs> Absolutely. Yeah. <laughs> By the way, some of the uh, some of those B-sides, like What is the Reason and, and Love is a Beautiful Thing, I thought those could have been hits, too. I'm surprised they weren't released as singles. Okay, I got a good story for you. Go okay? ahead. Because I know They're it's good. getting late. So no, good. no, no. We, we see, we're not on a time And I do, this, I do this in my show because this is correct. You know, we, we, we didn't know anything about business. You know, today the, the, the people come into the, they have a little bit of knowledge, you know. So we didn't know that the front side, the back side of, a, of 45 sells exactly the same amount of records as the front side. We didn't know that. <laughs> so years go by, years go by, and I'm in a club in New York, and, and we're doing one of those sing-around things, you know? And this guy comes up to me and gives me this huge Bugs Bunny-type kiss, you know? And I said, what's that, man? He says, man, you have no idea. You changed my life. I said, what do you mean? He says, well, you put my song on the other side of Good Lovin'. He says, man, I made so much money, you can't believe it. He made money, then Wilson Pickett heard it. It was Mustang Sally. Wow. Oh, jeez. Yeah. yeah. So we learned, put your song on the other side. Got it. <laughs> Absolutely. <laughs> Absolutely. <laughs> I liked your solo album, too, your first solo album with, Thanks, with Rundgren, yeah. The High Price to Pay, and very, yeah. very good stuff. Thank you. Thank you. Well, you know, I just enjoy making music, man, you know, and, and, and all the years, you know, it's, it's difficult you know, to leave a a, 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 a group that was successful and, and go on your own, you know. But Of course. Uh, that's the of story. Course. That's what happens, you know. What about touring with Ringo and the All-Star Band and working with <laughs> yeah. Billy Preston? Got memories? Yeah, you know, it was it was uh, it was an experience, you know. Of course, it was John Entwistle. Was oh, John too. Entwistle, was, yes. Uh, yeah, John, yes. you know, and uh, we had uh, Mark Farner and Randy right. Bachman. Right, and uh, Mark Farner from Grand Funk. Yeah. Right. That's an interesting concept because, you know, Ringo, like, you know, he's such an interesting guy because, you know, he, he's he, he, he's just a big ham. You mm -hmm. know what I mean? <laughs> I, mean, I mean, like he needs money, right? He needs to go on stage. You know what I'm saying? <laughs> he was just here at the Beacon last week with the All-Star you know, All Band. He's still it, doing it. You got, you got to pull him off, you know, pull yeah. him off the stage. Yeah. But it was really interesting, you know, you know, because... You know, like when you're in the dressing room with a beetle, you know, you know, and, and everybody's like, you know, pretending they're not in the conversation. Then all of a sudden somebody asks him a question, you know, and everybody turns around. They want to see what he's going to answer, you know, you know, like they asked him one night. They said, hey, Ringo, how come you, you, you had your drum, your, your stool up so high? And then everybody turned around and he said, well, they got to see me, right? <laughs> <laughs> 
And a really, really good guy, man. You know, like, uh, but you know, he can't go any place. You know, when when he used to try to go out, like if we took a, had a day off, he'd have to he'd have to have the whole theater for the movies to go in there. They, they'd open the place up just for him. That's amazing. Even now, even now, it, man it's in his seventies, like the Beatles could only talk amongst themselves to know what it's like, what their right. life is. Absolutely. Yeah, although I'm sure like Bruce has got the same thing going on and, you know, maybe Billy and, you know, you too. Yeah. I mean, there's certain, you know, people in that echelon that, you know, that's a different, that's a different level. Saw you doing, uh, saw you at the garden with Billy too. That was a, that was a treat. Yeah. Well, he's an old friend, you know. I know you guys go way uh, back. Yeah. And yeah. Boy, can you imagine he's, he's going to do his 50th show there, sell out. Amazing. <sighs> yeah. I Billy- mean, I, I, that's insane. <laughs> right. Yeah. So tell us. So you're in Nashville now, right? You're still touring. I know you're coming here. Yep. We didn't coordinate this. We would. We like to have you here in person. You know, I could have pl- done it next week, but uh, you know, I didn't really know I was coming. I would take a couple of days off, you know. But uh, this is fun. What we'll the come heck? back next week. <laughs> I would, I love talking to you guys. You guys are great. You don't have your keyboard with you, do you? Uh, I I do, but it's not activated, as they say. Oh, okay. Too bad. Well, the yes. next the next time we're going to make you play. Okay, that's and, a deal. And and we have to do a duet of Rascal songs. Yeah, not the mouse though. We can't do that. <laughs> <laughs> well, the, you know, Felix, I, I he he did uh, he sang uh, Moni Moni with Tommy. He sang Sugar oh, okay. Sugar with All Ron right. Dante. Right, the man so sitting the man sitting next to me. MacArthur Park with He sang MacArthur Park with Jimmy. All right. Tie a yellow he sang with, with Tony, Tony Orlando. Orlando. Who else? Okay. So so uh, he sang uh, the Rainbow Connection with Paul Williams. That's right. Okay. I'm in. I'm in. Okay. See, I'm you in. should. I'm in. You should be honored to be. I, 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 it could be worse. Absolutely. I'll be there. <laughs> oh, I'm not sure about that. <laughs> so, uh, uh, by the way, the other album, the, the album you did with Steve Cropper, the uh, um, uh, Nudge It Up a Notch, great. Yeah. Thank great you, great stuff. That. I want I want our Thank listeners you. to find that uh, uh, another yep. br- another brilliant musician, Steve Cropper. And tell us what's going on. Tell us about the website. Tell us about the tour. You're you're coming here. You're you're going to be on in on Long Island. You're going to be yep. in in Massachusetts. You're going to be in Connecticut. It's on your website. Well, you know, I, I I still you know I still enjoy what I do. You know, and 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 basically, I, I'm I'm excited about next year. Uh, I'm going to be with the Nashville Symphony. I'm doing a, my my music with the Symphony here. It's going to be a real treat. I'm looking forward to that. Great. That's that's something I've been wanting to. It's kind of full circle from when I started with classical. I'm doing a book. You know, I'm trying to finish finish the book. I was just going to say Howard Howard wrote a very funny book, uh, Howard Kalen, and you got to oh, have a, yeah, you got to well, have a book in you. Yeah, well, Howard's a funny man. He's he's you know he's a screenwriter. If I'm not yes, mistaken, yes, he's you know, a he, DJ. He knows, he's everything. <laughs> Like you know how long I know those guys? I mean, I, I it's unbelievable. Howard how, and Mark. How old I am. <laughs> <No>. <laughs> I mean, seriously, I remember them. Oh God, way back, my God, you know, which is cool, you know. And, uh, and now, uh, you know, he's a prof- uh, Mark Volman's a professor here at the at one of the universities. Yes, yes, yeah. That's how low we've gotten in this country. Tell, <laughs> leave, leave us with one thing: any memories of doing a Tonight Show with Janis Joplin? Santana oh, yes. and Phil Spector. Oh yes. oh yes, yes, yeah. I've got a lot of memories of that, and I was just thinking. I think the hosts were uh, Steve uh, uh, and Edie Gourmet. I believe they were. Wow. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. Well, I remember Janice was very. <laughs> she smelled of liquor a lot. <laughs> you know, there was a lot of liquor in the room. You know? 
<laughs> yeah. And Phil, uh, you know, I, I've, uh, you know, I've been a huge fan of Phil Spector all my life. You know, I just uh, feel so badly about, you know, the karma that has befallen him because what a genius There's another genius. You know, we don't have too many geniuses, but you know, he was one of them. Now was sure. Phil, was Phil uh, a nut when you knew him? I mean, he was yes. just brilliant. <laughs> <laughs> well, he's carrying a gun into the studio. <laughs> oh, God. No, no, he, he was, he was a, yeah, he, he was a strange man. You know, he was a very strange man. Uh, he used to uh, hang around with, oh, come on, now, you guys got to help me. Who's that comedian that way in the old days got in such trouble with the, with the, with the bad words? Lenny Bruce. Lenny Bruce. Yeah, he was yeah. very, very close with Lenny Bruce. Ah, through that I whole didn't know period that. Of time when, when he was going through all the court cases and everything. Yeah. So they were two crazies, right? You know, but yeah, Phil was always, you know, he, he's just very different, man. You know, he's, he was not like, you know, like most people you would meet, you know, but he was so talented. Oh, my God. Yeah. What, what about Bobby Darren? You didn't really get to know Bobby Darren. Bob, Bobby Darren was like a little cocky guy, you know what I mean? Like, you know, he, he, he kind of didn't really, you know, socialize, you know, that much with, 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 with guys with long hair. <laughs> oh really? You were the you were the long-haired hippie freaks. Yeah, he was like exactly. He was a Sinatra. You know, he was in that that world there. You know, but he was there. He was always nice, but he was not like a. You know, he didn't he didn't come out and talk to you. You know. You know, one thing that's refreshing, uh, Felix, and we'll let you go, is that I I, I read a, saw a lot of interviews with you, read a lot of interviews with you, and you're humble because you said luck has played a role in everything. Who knows. You know what I mean? Like you asked say before, did I think I was going to be a musician? I, I didn't think anything. You know, I just, uh, I just very happy to be here, folks. You know what I'm saying? Because I've had a great career. I've had a lot of fun. I got a great family, a healthy body, and no money. <laughs> <laughs> so where did I go wrong? <laughs> <laughs> what can I say? Uh, Felix, you, you, pro you promise you next time you see us, you'll play and sing with Gilbert. Absolutely. My pleasure. Hey, thank you so much, guys. I really enjoyed it. You know, uh, uh, thank you so much. Appreciate well, thank it. you for the music, my friend. Thank you. It's, thank been, you. it's been, it's our honor. We wanted you. We started this thing, what, 180 shows ago? Oh, my God. You, you've been on our list, and we said to Jackie, get Felix. Oh, thank you, man. Happy holidays to you all. And I, I will. I'll make sure we, we get together. We, we, we owe ourselves a duet here. Oh, and happy, happy belated birthday, by the way. All right, my friend. Thank you. God and, bless. And we want to thank Jackie Martling, too, for setting this up and oh, for bringing yeah. you into the fold. Absolutely. Absolutely. And we'll see you again. All right. Take care. I'm Gilbert Gottfried. I'm here with my co-host, Frank Santo Padre. And this has been another edition of Gilbert Gottfried's amazing colossal podcast and today we've been talking to a guy who's a guinea but he knows a lot of chew words <laughs> <laughs> you might yes. say that so, so in that case he's okay with me <laughs> cavalry well, thank you mazel tov, my friends see you <laughs> Thanks, Felix. <laughs> See you guys. Gilbert Gottfried's Amazing Colossal Podcast is produced by Dara Gottfried and Frank Santa Padre with audio production by Frank Verderosa. 
Web and social media is handled by Mike McPadden, Greg Pear, and John Bradley Seals. Special audio contributions by John Beach. Special thanks to Paul Rayburn, John Murray, John Fodiatis, and Nutmeg Creative. Especially Sam Giovanco and Daniel Farrell for their assistance. Coming around.